Occasionally, myself and our coaching staff at DadStartingOver.com, we run into a client who has issues that go beyond the scope of coaching. They may have really severe anxiety, depression, suicidal ideation, and this is the point where our coaches stop and say, have you spoken to a therapist? What a lot of these men say is, I've looked into it, not a lot of options in my area, it can't work with my schedule, or I have an appointment schedule, but I can't get in for another four months. In other words, the need is there. They recognize the need. They see the value in the therapy, but the options for getting the therapy are extremely limited in their area. Well, thanks to our friends at BetterHelp.com, there is an option for you. BetterHelp is a unique service that allows you to talk to a licensed therapist from your area via your telephone or your computer. You can do voice chat with them if you wish. You can email back and forth. You can text with them all on your time schedule, all from the convenience of your phone or your computer. So check it out at betterhelp.com slash DSO. That's betterhelp.com slash DSO and get 10% off your first month of service with BetterHelp. Hello everyone, DSO here from dadstartingover.com. And before we get started with today's episode, I wanted to get a couple of pieces of business out of the way. Number one, I sell books. You can find my books at dadstartingover.com slash books. The books include my bestseller, The Dead Bedroom Fix. My second book is called Now What? A Guide for Men Starting Over in Life After Infidelity, Breakup, and Divorce. And my third and final book is called Red Flags. You can buy these all directly from my website and download directly from my website, or you can go to any of the major retailers. Second piece of business is that I have a members-only part of my website called the DSO Fraternity. With the DSO Fraternity, you have access to all of my books in PDF and audio format. You also get access to members-only articles and audio, and you are free to discuss those articles with fellow members on the website. And we also have DSO Fraternity live meetings via Zoom. In these live meetings, you are free to share your story and listen to advice from others. And on occasion, we will have a special guest, such as author Dr. Robert Glover of No More Mr. Nice Guy. So please check out the DSO Fraternity at dadstartingover.com join. Thank you so much, and on to the episode. Today's episode's a little different. This is a recording of an actual one-on-one coaching session with a client. He did agree to have this recorded. Names have been changed and certain details have been changed as well to protect his anonymity. This is a good example of a very typical guy who reads my book and wants to take things to the next level. He needs a little extra help. So without further ado, here is my one-on-one coaching session with Dave. If after listening to this, you decide that this is something you'd like to do, then you can book a session with me at my website at dadstartingover.com. So Dave, you are 40 years of age. And how old is your wife? Same. Same age. But here's the kicker. You guys have been married for 22 years. Uh, Together for 22, married 17. Together for 22, married 17. So you guys met young since you were 18 years of age. Wow. And here's the second. Oh, wow. Is that you have two adult children. Yes. 21 and 18. So you guys started super early. Was that a big uh, whoops moment, I take it? Was this planned? You you know, um, we actually met in junior high. Mm -hmm. And we dated for one day and decided we were better off friends. (laughs) uh, I like it. Yeah, you fast forward a little bit. 
um, high school years, we both moved away from each other and a few years went by. In our senior year, we both moved back to hometown and uh, kind of threw a party and she kind of showed up and it was like, I'm sending you home pregnant. And that's what happened. <laughs> uh, you know, it wasn't, that wasn't the intent, but you know, we were, we were young and dumb and yeah. um, we had some fun and that's how we started. Uh, wow. so literally from day one, we were, I mean, our whole original goal was to raise children. Um, and, uh, throughout the course of it fell in love. Uh, Interesting. but, uh, but yes, we started very young, um, uh, 18 years old. She was pregnant. Um, and it's been a roller coaster. Did you both come from families or an environment that was open to the idea of having kids so young? Or did you get a lot of flack from your family? Um, I mean, my mom started at like 15. Oh my goodness. Wow. Okay. Um, and her parents were both very young as well. And so it wasn't uh, unheard of. Yeah. So almost part of your culture. Well, yes. And um you know, I have to say my, you know, our oldest is 21 mm -hmm. and she married last year. Okay. Uh, and we we're about to have our first grandchild. Oh, wow. Now, is there a religious component here that contributes to this a little bit or? You know, I, I would like to say we're very spiritual mm -hmm. and that there's faith and belief uh but we aren't very religious in the traditional sense of being in church on sunday gotcha um, okay. however we do pray daily um uh, a couple times a day i pray several times a day okay. but but so we have relationship with our maker um but just not in the traditional sense that uh, most people would call it religious gotcha okay reason i ask is when, when i read your story and, and for the listeners that don't know i ask that everyone prior to chatting with them that they send me kind of a summary of their story and you started off with you with your story with the kids and how long so my very first thought was i wonder if for example he's mormon which i've heard that from a couple of of clients that have been mormons so that's why i asked that so very good so in looking back though at all these years and starting so young uh, the children, would you, do you look at them now as a source of, as a major stressor in the relationship? I mean, 18 years old and raising a family, oof. No. Okay. No. I mean, was there obviously uh, a huge amount of stress because we had children young? Yes. Um, but I don't can ever consider them at fault for that or that they were the stressor having children was a stressor, but they weren't stressors. If that makes any sense. Um, and I mean, we, we come from a small, small town. Mm -hmm. uh, we were, you know, kids having kids and a, you know, I was not set up or, uh, exactly a, a great kid. And, um, you know, I gotta be honest. I, I probably would have, been locked up by the time I was 20 if I didn't have kids at 18 because it gave me a different focus. Yeah. It gave you that mission, but, that focus, that stability that you didn't have. 
Um, Absolutely. Did you, have, uh, did you have a good relationship with your parents? Uh, my parents separated when I was real young. Uh-huh. Um, uh, like I don't, I don't ever really remember my dad living in the home. Uh, and I didn't have much of a relationship with my dad till my teens. Um, whereas we still don't have much of a relationship, mm-hmm. but, um, and my mom was a single mom of four boys. Um, I'm a middle child. And so she was always pretty, pretty stressed out as it was. And, um, loved her dearly, but it was a rough childhood yeah. in its own right. Not, not to take any, uh, cop out of any kind for it we all have we all have our own bits of rough childhood yeah Uh, but but i'll tell you i asked that question simply because it most definitely colors your relationships moving forward in life you know you see what mom and dad did or mom by herself did or if you were a victim of abuse or something like you know something awful like that then obviously it's going to have an effect on your relationships whether platonic or romantic especially those romantic relationships and your relationship to your mom very much models your relationship with women going forward. Any psychologist worth their salt will tell you that, you know, these, you start hearing about wife problems and the first thing out of their mouth is, so tell me about mom. So that's why I asked. So you know, you know, I, I gotta be honest. Yeah. I, being raised by my mom and her sister, my aunt. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, I feel like here later in life, it's benefited me tons. Um, younger in life, it didn't as much. Mm-hmm. Uh, I felt like it made me a little bit more emotional um, in the fact where when we were younger, it was kind of like friend zone guy. Yeah, uh, absolutely. But sure. later in life, you know, I think women seem to appreciate the the nice guy. But interesting. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I don't know if that matters. But so, no, absolutely. So you were missing that paternal component that maybe would have given you a more stoic for lack of a better term, manly approach to things, but being around women opened yourself up emotionally and allowed you to be more empathetic and show those emotions. And yeah, as a kid growing up and playing the mating game and, and hanging out with girls and stuff, you realize that doesn't really get you all that far, but as you, but as you mature, those kind of things come to the surface more and, and you're right. They are appreciated the more mature you get for sure. Um, but then again, the case could be made also that does lead to some pretty insecure kind of codependent behaviors that can hurt relationships and make you turn a blind eye to some abuse. And as you know, I've heard it all. I've talked to dozens of guys. So your situation is by no means unique in that regard. Probably 75% of the guys I talked to were uh, fatherless for whatever that's worth. Um, so well, let's jump over to her briefly, if we could, about her childhood. How would you describe it? of what you know of it? Um, we both come from low income growing up. And I, I mean, there was a, a bit of her life where she talks about where they lived in a bus and her parents were, you know, um, like biker hippie types. Uh, and, um, but a lot of love. She comes from a lot of love. and. I think that um, her mother had a lot of mental issues diagnosed that they dealt with for many, many years that 
forced her to kind of be the adult of the house. And mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that uh, that had a huge strain on her. Other than that, her mother was great. She was very loving. And um, it's kind of funny because I knew her mom first. Because mm-hmm. when I was in my early teens, I got a job at a local fast food place and her mother had worked there and she used to tell me, you should meet my daughter. You should meet my daughter. Uh, what do you and, think? Well, let me stop you there. What do you think it is about you that made mom so keen on you? I, you know, I think it was, I mean, thinking back the, uh, the level of respect I had, like I said, being raised by my mother, um, I recall being a little more caring about what I did every day, like being responsible for the end of the day's result has always been something that was on my mind. Like being, I'm, I've always been okay with taking responsibility for what happened um, and what I did. And I just think in general level of respect to, to, to women in general and those around me. Uh, and it showed through my work, even at, a young age. Okay. So um, you were but also funny enough, light, nice, sweet kid. Yes, I was. Mm-hmm. Um, you fast forward a year. <clears throat> this is kind of funny. Uh, 15, you know, freshman year, I'm walking down the road with my friend, it's now my wife. And my mom pulls up, she sees us walking and there's like five of us and she sees us walking. We aren't dating or anything at all. And my mom pulls up and we talk a little bit. I get home that night and my mom told me, who was that you were with? (laughs) And I told her and she's all, you know, you're going to marry her. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. Little did I know, seven years later, I married her. Very nice. Do you think that um, your wife or others would label you as kind of the romantic in the relationship? Absolutely. Yeah. Between your my wife. wife would absolutely because she is not very romantic. Yeah, yeah. Um, she she is not. I am definitely the more romantic one. This is something I, I hear again and again as well. Is that um, you know opposites attract? That's the old cliche, but it's true in a lot of ways. And a lot of whether it, one's the push and one's the pull, one's the pursuer and the other one's the pursued, one's the romantic, one's the more rational-minded one. So I hear that quite a bit. Nothing wrong with that in any way, but it can, just like with anything else, when the pendulum swings to too far extremes in one way or the other, it can lead to some bad things. Which brings us to the current day, that you say approximately, I'm going by your uh, email to me here, approximately five months ago, you and the wife had a big blow-up, a big argument. Uh, can you tell me what that was about? Um, I think it was just coming to a pinpoint of lots of things over 20 years for her. Uh, and it really was like the actual thing that it was based on. I have some severe anxieties, social anxieties. I'm a kind of a germaphobe. Um, COVID had just started and the nursing home where it really broke out in Washington state here and where it really started for the country is like 40 miles from us. And she was going out with our son um, 
and, and several other family members of hers uh, to celebrate her mother's birthday, her mother's past, and it's something they do yearly. Um, and I told her I didn't want her to go. She had just been sick for about 12 days, which she's never sick, and she was severely sick. Um, this put her about 20 miles away from the ground zero, so to say. And I, I told her I didn't want her to go. Uh, and she went anyway. And I kind of vindictively, vindictively text her some things. Um, just kind of being an ass. And it lessened it. It really dampened her day out. Yeah. And, you know, and I, if I'm being honest about it, I guess I knew I was doing that. Um, I was frustrated and upset and felt ignored. And uh, when she got home, she wanted to have a, a, a conversation about it. She was upset and I was irritated and we argued and it blew up. It blew up. And she said she was done with it. And, and I got to be honest, when it comes down, here we are five months later and trying to communicate and trying to figure things out. And it really boils down to 20 years of her, uh, I guess, trying so hard to make it work with the kids and with me and, and never really focusing on herself to where now she's ready to focus on herself. And I don't think it's a coincidence that this is happening at the big four Oh, 40 years old. You know, there's, and I don't know if you'd call it midlife or, or whatnot, or, yeah. but between that and empty nest, you yeah, know, our, absolutely. our youngest, our youngest just graduated. He's 18. He's, he's at it out on his own. And, um, it, it all does seem to kind of fall around, uh, very common life cycle. Absolutely. Very common. I mean, uh, I, a lot of men don't fully appreciate the impact of aging on a woman. And I don't mean that from a physical standpoint as much as it is um, their feeling of worth, um, especially of a wife who's devoted her golden years, which, you know, your teens and 20s, to raising a family. And suddenly they're gone, which kind of leaves a hole. What's my role now in life? And oh, by the way, did I just quote waste? I can't tell you how many times women have said that. Did I just waste all my precious years that I could have focusing on me and, and building myself as a human being? Did I just waste that on playing the maternal role and living for others all this time? Now who the hell am I? I don't even know who I am. Um, Men may have some semblance of that, but we tend to take it a little better. On top of that, women have the whole concept of I'm no longer young and pretty. You know, it seems shallow, but I, I've heard some women say they flat out miss the cat calls. You know, when they were a young little 20 something walking down the street and some guy rudely yells at her something sexual, she hated it. But now she's like, in a way, it kind of made me feel wanted, sexual, beyond mom. I'm, I was a human being and now those are gone because I'm an older woman and who wants an older woman? You'll hear women say they, they feel it's just, it's such a perfect storm of issues. Um, so I think you're seeing that. I think you're seeing the result of that. And I think here's a good little exercise. If you're to be empathetic and put yourself in her mind, if some, you know, a friend sat her down with a glass of wine and said, 
kids are out of the house, you're 40 years old, what does life look like for you and your husband from here on out? What would her answer be? I don't know. That's what her answer would be. And I say that because she's recently said that. That she doesn't know what the hell, what the hell to do from here on out? Yeah. She doesn't see it. She doesn't see a you and her enjoying life and having adventures and everything else. She's, she doesn't you, have you know, to. I tell her, yeah, and I got to be honest, I, I take all my share of responsibility for where we're at. There, you know, for the last four or five years, I've become uh, complacent, kind of just, uh, you know, it's my wife and we're together and it's, you know, this is it. This is what we do. And I, I may not have celebrated us as much as I should have. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I let my own hobbies and um, even anxieties and uh, things get in the way of making sure that and the best word I can use is celebrate, making sure that I didn't celebrate her like she deserved and or like we deserved. Um, and, and I take those responsibilities and I understand how it affected her and how she's felt, you know, the last couple of years for sure put aside. And um, there's a couple of times she's told me that she's wanted more. She's wanted, you know, it, I can look back and say she wanted showing off. She wanted taking out more. She wanted, and I'm happy staying at home, you know, having a beer and uh, watch TV. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I do take my share of responsibility for that. And at the same time, you know, there was a point where I seen this happening and I started trying to make efforts. And and then she was already in the phase of no, whatever, no, whatever. Do you want to go do this? No, whatever. Yeah. Where instead of being asked, she wanted me to just grab her hand, put her in the car, take her. Mm -hmm. Sure. Um, And when she said, no, whatever, I was like, fine. Okay. And I turned around back, started watching TV. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, I don't mean to ramble off course or anything. No, no, absolutely not. No, this is all good to know. Well, let me ask you this. How, um, if you were to ask her again, how much, how detrimental to your relationship were your Dave's anxieties and phobias? Were they a pretty big obstacle in the way of happiness as far as she's concerned? If I asked her or even what's your opinion on that? Yeah. Pretty big. Yeah. So that's, that's a pretty big obstacle to, uh, you know, some real connection as a couple to always have that in your face. You know, and, and I got to say this out loud because it, it's just truth. And maybe I'm a, I'm an avid pot smoker. Okay. Um, I have been my whole life since I was like 13. The reality is at 40, I'm not the kid I used to be. <laughs> and it fueled a lot of my anxieties. Um, it, and it, it, gave me a crutch to just, no, I don't want to. Nope, I don't want to. I mean, it was demotivating 100% in a lot of areas. And I think that one of the best things I've done the last five months since it's happened is stop using. And, you know, I'm the type of guy that said, I'll smoke pot every day till I die. But <laughs> um, it's important for me to say that I quit using that day. The day she, we got in our blow up, the day she took off her ring, I quit smoking. Yeah. It was one of the biggest things that I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a control freak too. And I didn't have control of anything. Um, and 
I, I could control that. And I, I stopped that because I needed a clear head. Mm-hmm. And it took a couple months to get a clear head. And I was in a huge tornado of confusion and hurt. Sure. Um, but today I will say, you know, of all the things that I think had benefited and helped us keep somewhat of a basis to rebuild on was getting rid of the pot. Was that uh, something that she has overtly mentioned in the past as being a negative? never cared. Honestly, she's never really cared. She's, she's, you know, that's who I am. That's what I've always done. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not a big deal to her. Um, not, uh, she's never really been a user, but it's something that I learned fueled those anxieties. She cared about the anxieties. She cared about me hating being in public and around big crowds. She, that all mattered to her. And just the fact that that linked to that, um, it meant a lot to me to get rid of it. Um, Since then, the fear of losing her is greater than Mm -hmm. my fears of, of, of my anxieties, my, my social, um, quirks and my my uh even my germophobia those things i've been able to overcome those a lot knowing that i needed to in order to give her more of what she needed do you feel the pot smoking exacerbated all of those negatives absolutely it's kind of interesting typically when people take alcohol drugs of any kind or whatever the the stereotype is that they are self-medicating in some way and a lot of alcoholics are very anxious people and alcohol is a pretty potent anti-anxiety medication. And I've heard some people say the same thing about smoking pot. You know, I smoke a joint and ah, it just kind of takes the edge off. They can kind of relax more. But for you, it seems you're wired in a way that it took a while, but you finally realized, hmm, that may be contributing to all these issues. Um, Absolutely. The you- paranoia rose. The, I mean, yeah. Um, like I said, it was a crutch. It was a crutch and it, it made it. I almost made it like uh, just an excuse, I, you know, and demotivating, just demotivating in general. Easier to be lazy. Yeah. Um, on the flip side, have you noticed any negatives bubbling up since you stopped? Was it in fact masking anything? Um, no, no. Well, and it, I mean, and it's different to me. I mean, when I used to smoke as a kid, I'd smoke all day, every day. And now, you know, at 40, it's like, I don't know if the posture's better, but um, <laughs> it just lays me out. It really fuck, It really just makes me less of a person on a daily basis. Just the uh, blah. Um, not that I don't enjoy it. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I enjoy getting stoned, but um, I don't enjoy the lack of everything else I do. Whether it be a little bit of housework, whether it be um, yard work, whether it be feeling motivated to take my wife out. Yeah. Well, that's good. But then that brings up the question of, is it too little too late? Because you have a lot of baggage and a wife who has a lot of resentment and the double, double, triple whammy of she's at a big turning point in life, if you want to call it a midlife crisis or whatever you want to call it. And this is typically where in a lot of women, some not so good stuff starts coming out. Um, some not so good behaviors, some selfish behaviors. Um, you're in the position though that you can definitely point at this, 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 and this, which kind of possibly drove her away. And the kids are 
now out of the house, she hit 40. So it's all coming together. For a lot of guys I talked to, that conversation with the wife five months ago to them feels like it literally came out of nowhere. So you're at, a, you're at an advantage that where you can say, no, I, I can definitely see what's going on here for the most part. Well, you know, five months ago, it did come out of nowhere. Five but months in, ago, I was like, But what? I'm looking back, yeah. Yeah, but looking back, I absolutely am able to um, take my fair share of, of where it came from, why it was there, and how I ignored a lot of the signs. And I could see how that when you were repeatedly texting her because you disagreed with her going out, I could see where that would be a real push me over the edge kind of thing because not only you, you admitted to being very controlling at times. So that's a very controlling thing. You went against what I said to do. So now I'm going to punish you for it. In addition to it also kind of showed off some of your anxieties and uh, phobias about the germs and stuff. So, so it, I could, it, was, it was a huge hurricane of all that put together. Yeah. So I could see her just going, okay, enough already and getting pushed to the edge. Um, and, and just this morning, she, uh, she told me she doesn't know if it's too little, too late. Those exact words. Well, now this brings up a difficult next subject, which I am the first to admit, and I tell everybody this, I'm a little prejudiced, a lot prejudiced in having gone through what, what I went through personally. And also after talking to so many hundreds of men who've gone through the same thing is that your wife is also very much primed for an affair. Um, it fits perfectly into what's going on here. Have you ever had any indication of her texting another guy, having a more than a friendship with some guy at work or something like that? I've had worries, but you've pretty. You've seen um, signs, or no? Um, I got. I got to be honest. She's a good woman, uh, and uh, and if I'm being super honest, in our early twenties, I was unfaithful. Oh, okay. Um, so that's always been a concern of mine. And even this first started, I thought, yeah, yeah, there's probably someone else. She's not doing this on her own and she's looking, she's got something else going on. And, uh, but I, at this point, I don't feel there is someone at least not anything that's actually uh, developed of any way. And the, one of the biggest reasons is as much as this has happened, she comes home every night. She is, she wants, I mean, and ever, ever since pretty much she, this happened, she still comes home every night. She still um, spends every weekend with me. She still wants that time. She never scurries off on her own. Mm -hmm. She, she never, um, just none of those common things that, sure, sure. uh, would, would represent that are there. Um, it's almost sometimes, like, yeah, sometimes it's not, um, as something as, as overt as having sex or an emotional affair with another man, but it could just be something or somebody pushed her buttons and that's kind of contributed to this. And it could be something as simple as at work. Some guy said, I really like that blouse. That looks really good on you. And if she's in the right frame of mind, turning 40, kids are out of the house, husband's driving her nuts, all of a sudden, that compliment feels like one million compliments all rolled into one. Whoa, I feel like a sexy, pretty woman again, just because Bob from accounting said I looked good. Um, 
so it may not necessarily be anything as more nefarious than that. Never know. And that's, I mean, that's, that's very possible. Yeah. Uh, again, a lot of men don't appreciate the storm of emotion that something as simple as that can bring about. I, I've heard from women's mouths saying, if I'm in a situation and I recognize a guy and I recognize that he is handsome and good looking and I start wondering sexual things about him, then that is indicative that something is wrong with my marriage. And that in turn sends me down the spiral of, am I really happy? To which a lot of guys go, Jesus, we look at women and, and lust after them all the time. It's no big deal. You know, I go, whoa, check out that blonde. Wow. All right, moving on, you know. But to a woman, it's, oh, wow, check him out. Oh, he smiled at me. My husband hasn't smiled like that, at, like that at me forever. I haven't felt like this in 20 years. Oh, my gosh, does this mean my marriage is up? Maybe this marriage isn't supposed it, it, the, the The wheels spin out of control pretty quickly, um, especially with a woman that has the baggage that yours has. Not only baggage in terms of her childhood, but, but the current, which is 40 years old, kids out of the house, husband driving her nuts. It's... Uh, and I say the husband driving her nuts, and that's not to belittle in any way, but it's one of the 50 blocks that are building this big wall right now. Understood. And it's, um, I think a really big thing is probably vision for the future. Um, what is it that she sees for the two of you going forward? What's, to put it in really basic terms, what is there to look forward to? Um, She's probably, has she been leaning on you to kind of lead and show her this is the way, this is what's going on? And if you've been kind of like, Eh, I'm just going to watch some Netflix. I'm cool. And she, uh, you know, she needs something. Yes. Uh, you know, and that's, that's really tr true. I, I've always been very motivated and always very, you know, what's next? What am I doing next? You know, that got a goal, a mission and, yeah. um, you know, something I'm working towards that next bigger thing. And for several years, three, four years, um, I haven't had that. What is it that neutered you? Do you think? Um, You know, when our, when our daughter left, she, there was a kind of a big issue, a controlling thing, her, you know, with paying tuition and, um, you know, kind of got to keep these grades and you got to do this and you got to do that. And her being this, she's always been such a great kid and she went through this rebellious stage and she was at school and, you know, off to college with her boyfriend and they weren't supposed to be having this, this married type of relationship. And that blew up, um, you know, and there was blame from my wife to me about because of how controlling I am um, into uh, this, I, I, I don't know, we, we had a beautiful house, she got her car she wants, she got um, our, you know, it was just our son now and I, I kind of loosened the reins and it wasn't as much of, you know, uh, of an ass of, an a, of a dad with that demanding, I guess. And I tried to relax. Um, oh, so, I, so the blow up with the daughter, that, that very emotional moment kind of sparked a wake up in you that, oh, maybe I should ease up a bit. Absolutely. And, and, and that and, in turn took some of your edge off as a, as a dude. And maybe you swung the pendulum too far in the direction of easygoing dad. Yep. That's, that's, that's real. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then it, it was, uh, I'm not a very social guy. 
And well, why is that? Um, well, I have social anxiety. I don't like people. People suck. <laughs> and, um, uh, the more of them you get together, the more they suck. And, well, well, um, well, and I, I include myself in that. I mean, it's just the way it is. I, I just don't enjoy the big crowds like a lot of people. They make you feel anxious. Makes you feel just uneasy being around all those people yes. and, and dealing with the fakeness and the annoyingness. And absolutely, yeah, I think we can all relate um, to that in some way. Um, uh, do you have close friends that you confide in? A couple. Just a couple of close. It's tough to be a, a real good friend to you. You're not just friends to any any Joe. You, you got to no, know. And the couple of friends I have date back to our teens. Oh wow! Okay, so good, faithful friends there for for the long haul. Um. Uh, well, let me ask you this. Let's switch gears a little bit. What is it about your wife that makes her a good wife? She's always supported me and what I've chosen to do, no matter how crazy it was when we were kids, no matter how uh, absurd it sounded, no matter how out of the box, um, whether she understood it or not, if I told her this is what I'm going to do, I'm going to make it work. Um, she supported me. She supported me. And I got to be honest, my whole life has been these ups and downs, this, this roller coaster. My highs are real high, my lows are low, whether it be um, you know, financial or, or emotional for me. And she's always been a nine to five, hardworking, uh, management, corporate, mm -hmm. you know, woman. She's the, and, she's that stable provider. Yes. And through my ups and downs, she's been that steady line in the middle. And, and there's no and way. A, and she's always been patient with you during all these swings. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, and, and let me let me stop you there. Have you um, are the swings uh, extreme enough to be of concern, mentally healthy wise, such as um, they in the past there I, I did about five six years ago. A lot of things piled up on top of each other, and I had in the first time in the real life a very deep depression that I'd never experienced before in life. And it was a huge issue. Um, and she was there for me and we worked through it. What was treatment uh, for that? If I may ask, uh, started with some therapy. Um, and then we went to, there was meds, uh, and there was a point after about a year of use with the meds, uh, a damn, a damn near killed me. Um, and I ended up, uh, Getting off the meds, I, you know, at that time I had quit smoking and I got off the meds. I started smoking pot again and I, it was really good for a couple of years. I was able to maintain and handle it. And then the new downfall happened. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, no, no, nothing like uh, bipolar or anything ever came up. No. That's good. No, it, was, it was, there was a lot of, a lot of factors involved that I have since um, been made aware of discussion through therapy, those type of things. Um, you know, I mean, I, I lost my mom. We moved across the country. I changed careers. I mean, there was a whole lot of things that happened in a swift few quick months. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. And it was uh, unfairly to my family. Uh, almost more than I seemed to be able to handle at the time. And it was, honestly, 
she should have left me then because I was not, um, I was not a man set and ready to, to do what he needed to do. And that seven to eight months, really, the, the horribleness, she was there and she seen me and she knew I was strong enough to come out of it and she supported it. Um, so basically, what, what makes her a good woman yeah. is, you know, even if this doesn't work and she leaves today, the reality is, her and I at 18 years old looked at each other and said, let's raise this child with two parents. And that's my promise to you. That was our first promise to each other ever. And she did that. Um, so. I think it's interesting, not to cut you off there, but um, just food for thought. When, when given the almost unlimited characteristics that you could have pointed out you've really hammered on something that kind of goes towards she's a maternal figure and a maternal figure loves you no matter what you know mom picks you up from jail when you shoplifted you know dad picks you up when you got in a fight and you got your nose broken but no matter what stupid ass thing you do they're always there for you that's what the parents for the rest of the world punishes you and judges you and everything else but Mom and dad are always there for you. Um, and that's something that you kind of hammered on about her. Um, do you think that is fair to her necessarily? Puts a lot of pressure on her? Do you think she would point that out as, man, I've been playing the part of mom for 20 years? To, three kids, to three kids instead of two? Maybe. Yeah. Um, do you view her, be honest? Do you view her in a sexual way as a sexy, that's, oof, that's my wife over there, look at her kind of way? Absolutely. That's good. Because some men I ask that to bluntly say, you know what, not for a while. And the, the woman just becomes this mom figure, this stable thing in the house. Does she know that you think that way about her? Yes. And has the bedroom died over a period of months or years? Yeah, started a few years ago. It became last and last. So we've always been very um, active. And a few years ago, it became last and last and last. Um, and what can you point to as the trigger for that dying off? Your episode with the depression and so forth? Or was this after that? That You know, it started a little before that. But I, uh, after that kind of came full circle things kind of fired back up um and then about a year and a half ago her job got horribly rough on her mm -hmm. and to where she ended up changing after seven or eight years with the company and um into something that she never thought she would do into something that really intimidated her and it was a huge stressor for her and then at the same time, you know, my complacency started with just, you know, being okay with where we were and it just fueled from there. And if, you know, that blow up that happened five months ago, I really think it started about 18 months ago when all, when, when okay. her, yeah. you know, for, for her, it really just started with, um, with me being absent, 
like I said, not, not celebrating us on a, on a basis that I should have. And the more she kind of like seemed less interested, the more frustrated I got and tried to show I didn't care. Mm -hmm. And so now you got two people button heads. Um, and then there was times that, you know, when she was interested, um, and I almost felt like I wanted to say no. Um, Just to pay her back. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, double resentful behavior going on there. And, and you know, as I take responsibility for as much as I can for what I, my, my share of this, the reality is for me, there's not much she's done that I really care to hold a grudge for. You know, to me, the, uh, our relationship and building is more important to me than, you know, well, you did this or that last fucking Tuesday, or you did this or that, uh, you know, and November last year, you promised this and you didn't do it. Or, um, you know, those, those type of things seem minuscule to me to the big picture these days. Whereas at one point, a year and a half ago, you keep track of, of every little mistake I got to be honest, last five months, I haven't kept track of anything except for how I'm improving myself. And uh, I'm happier with that. I'm happier with her through that. Um, and I'm a better person today over it. Because honestly, those little things that I was keeping track of before don't matter. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but uh, but I'm, I, I, I'm rambling on. I apologize. No, no, you're good. Please. And so... Here's the big question. The, the worst of the worst case scenario. You find out tomorrow that she's been had a man on the side for the last year or so, and she's ready to start over with him. Worst of the worst. Now you're by yourself. You have no kids. You got no wife in that house by yourself. What does that look like for you going forward? Scary? It's my biggest fear. It scares me shit. What, I mean, it really what scares you so much about it? You know what? This is something I've talked about a little bit. Um, with myself and, and, uh, uh, I, you know, a little bit of therapy and the reality is I've never really been alone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, you have childhood and, and, you know, like 16 to 18, I was a wandering soul. And, uh, but then come 18, you meet her. And we've been together since. Uh, being alone really, really scares me. And it's not that I can't be alone. It's just I didn't, you know, I didn't fight 20 years to get here to the easy, what I consider to be the easy gravy <laughs> part of our life. You know, the kids are, we successfully raised them. They've successfully finished school and they're, they're moving on in their careers. And, um, this is when we, we're about to have a grandchild and this is when we are supposed to celebrate and mm -hmm. soak up mm -hmm. the easy days for all those hard days that when we didn't know, you know, we were 19, didn't know what we were going to eat. Um, now it's time to just celebrate each other. And the thought of starting over is yeah, embarrassing, scary, sad, Sure. Oh, absolutely. I can, I can relate to that a thousand percent. Been there, done that, right? So of uh, so many other guys that I chat with, it's one of the scariest things. Even the most 
alpha male, super manly guys that I talk to, you know, I always tell guys, think of the most scary outlaw biker dude you can imagine, you know, leather tattoos, the beard, the whole nanner. He still has a woman on his back. So we're kind of engineered to pair bond and, and connect with a person and go through life with them. We try to make it work as much as possible. And when that just suddenly stops and goes away, it's like you lose a limb. It's just, it feels foreign. It feels scary. It feels weird. It's not right. Um, my hopes for you though, is that you eventually get to the point of realizing if, and when this doesn't work out, I'll be all right. I'll be cool. You know, new adventures, something to look forward to. This is a new chapter. She's not going to be out of my life a hundred percent completely because we have two kids together and a grandkid on the way. I'm still going to see the woman. We can still be on friendly terms, but new chapter for me until you get to that point where you like in blunt terms, I really don't need her. And then you're, you're in for a lot of hurt. Um, and the irony is that the more you portray to her and to the whole world, Hey, this woman over here, I really need her or else I'm, I'm a mess. The more you portray that, the more you're going to push her away. And I guess be honest, have your actions over the last five months shown her like, man, this guy really, really needs me. Or have your actions shown like, I think he'll be all right if I take off. Which would you say? Um, it's been a mix. It's been a mix, sure. uh, to be honest with you. And I say that because she said that. Um, and I, you know, a few weeks ago, she told me, I don't need you to show me that you love me. I know you love me. And I don't need you to yep. show me that you want me. I know you want me. I need you to show me you don't need me. There you she, go. Those were her exact words. Bingo. I mean, what an insightful, awesome thing for her to say. And at the same time, I was like, I, I got so frustrated because it was like, fine, go find a man that doesn't need you. Yeah, that's you what did. you want. Yeah, you know, yeah. that's you really want to be proud of a man that doesn't need you. Um, you know, that was my first real thought. It was, sure. it was painful and hurt. And it was like, but I, I over processing it and thinking about it, I guess I understand it. Um, although it's, it's hard to, it's just hard to process after, you know, 20 plus years of every day thinking about uh, us and a we into a me. Mm -hmm. I get you. I get you. Absolutely. Oh, that's pretty difficult. And, I, I, always, and, I always use the analogy of um, the knight in shining armor leaving the castle to go off and fight the dragons and everybody. And he can do so and he's brave to do so because he knows there's always that castle to come back to. There's always that foundation. You know, the king and queen will be there and everything else. But when he comes back and the castle's burnt to the ground, he says, oh shit, now what? Um, you're kind of at that oh shit, now what point. And um, she's telling you, you got to figure, if there's any hope for, this is her talking, if there's any hope for us, I need to see that you're cool without me because I'm at a point in my life where I really don't need you anymore and I'm not certain I ever did. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And she's right. There's nothing wrong with that. If you're two autonomous people living your own little lives in your own little heads and you're supposed to come together and be even better together and helping each other through life, but still two independent people doing your own thing. And she's, she's ready to go and off and do her own thing. And she's kind of wanting you to, to prove your worth that you're worth coming along for the ride. Or 
flip it that you, she can come along for your ride. She just really wants to look up to you and really wants to see that guy that doesn't need her because that's what she's attracted to right now. She's turning a page, new chapter. I'm doing what I can at the moment. And it's tough. And you know what? She's putting in effort. Um, Just you, the, you fact know, the, that, the fact that she verbalized it in that way, in such blunt terms, puts her at the top 1%. Because most women have this, this feeling of, I, I shouldn't have to tell him. He should just figure it out on his own. And if he doesn't figure it out, then he's not worthy of me. She just bluntly laid the map out for you and said, go here. <laughs> and pointed at it and said, are you going to go there or not? Because that's what I want. Go here. And now it's up to you. And you may surprise yourself through all of this months down the line, a year down the line. You guys are still in this limbo, whatever it may be. These, this, by the way, can last forever. Um, you may surprise yourself where you go, you know, I don't know if I want to be with her anymore in this way. I think uh, I'm ready to start over on my own. Some guys really surprise themselves with that because the feeling of independence and abundance in life as a single dude is very intoxicating. Take it from me. Very, very intoxicating. If you play your cards right. Or it could be. You know, I started feeling some of that last month. There you go. Yeah. Um, and, and then she came to me and she was like, you know, I'm thinking maybe I should get an apartment. And, and that knocked you back. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it did. Yeah, give it yourself did. a break. You've been with a woman since you're 18, for God's sakes. So, you know, she's, she's been your right arm all this time. So it ain't going to be easy. But she's, she's got a head start on you big time. She's been doing this little detaching phase for a while now. And your little thing five months ago was her, that was the final ripping of the Band-Aid off. And she's just like, you know, fuck it. This is, I'm out. Um, you didn't realize that you were slowly but surely, and she was slowly but surely pulling that Band-Aid off for the last so many months or years. You're, you're just seeing the, the culmination of all of that. But it sounds like you're, you're taking steps in the right direction. It's just you have to have the momentum and the discipline to keep going. Um, financially, are you well off on your own? My work, I work from home and it comes in spurts. And when it's good, it's really good. And when it's not, it's not. Are you, in, a, are you in a down slump right now? No, I'm in, a, I'm in the top slump. Oh, good. Awesome. Okay. I'm in a top slump, which is... Um, you know, and I, I, I kind of told her, you know, if if you are getting an apartment, it's time. Yeah, you know, well, hey, that's a that's a pretty strong statement right there on your on your own. It's you saying, know, uh, you know, it, it's that old uh, old phrase: if you love something, let them go. And if it was meant to be, she'll, he or she'll come back. Same kind of thing. You should kind of support her and say, uh, "I love you. I wish you'd hang around, but if this is what you want, I get it. I get it a thousand percent." I can, I can exactly what I told her two weeks ago. It's exactly what I told her. I said, you know, this, this is the time financially that we are both going to hurt the least if you go get an apartment. And, and it, it, I don't, I don't support it. I don't want you to do it. I want to continue to working together. But if you think this is what you need, then it's time. And that was a couple of weeks ago. And she said, well, we'll talk this weekend. And then it's been a couple of weekends and she really hasn't brought it up. Um, she keeps saying she doesn't know. She doesn't know. Um, 
And her, her most classic line is, I'm 50 50. I'm half in, I'm half out. I don't know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, yesterday was our first couples session. Oh, how'd that go? Surprisingly well. We, she's so nervous and she has so much stress and anxiety over it. She's not a communicator. Um, uh, I mean, she, she'll say it over and over. She said it over and over yesterday in session. Um, but she did very well. And it's, uh, did some things come to light that surprised you? No, it surprised me that she talked as much as she did. Sure. You know, in, in, in reference, I'm a, ba- I'm a, a, a babbling brook. I mean, I don't shut up. Yeah. I over talk everything. I'm an over communicator. Um, I'll talk into the wee hours over and over about the same thing. And she is a Harvard C. She is that, uh, just keep it all in till she explodes. And that doesn't really ever communicate, kind of like you said. Why don't I already know? You know, I should know how she feels. Um, so she did talk more than expected yesterday. And, um, and one of the things she said is that she would put an apartment on the back burner and give this uh, a fair shake, whether, you know, the estimated eight to 12 weeks of counseling. Oh, I see. Okay, well, good. So you have a third party that you both can kind of emote to together. Are you guys going to do it separately and then together back and forth or? Uh, we've, we've both been doing separate sessions uh, or independent individual sessions for a couple months. Mm-hmm. Um, are you, are you, now, vo- are you vocal about uh, when you're with her and the therapist, are you vocal about your shortcomings over the years or are you, are you not quite? Yes. Yes. Good. Okay. And how about her? She takes very little Mm-hmm. accountability um you know when, when she talks about i did this i did that and she has resentment because her her resentment goes back to when i was 19 you know she literally is talking about stuff i did when i was 19 years old that's well, um, you know that's female one-on-one right there <laughs> um but she does she she doesn't ever i mean she has said i know i'm not perfect but that's as much as I've gotten from her as far as accountability of any of this and where maybe she had a trigger or two in there. Um, so what, but, what would you, what words would you put in her mouth if you were her and, and she were to spill the beans about how she has failed? How has she failed? Um, I don't think she has. So she's got a point. In my, opinion, in my opinion, we've all succeed. We've succeeded. I mean, we're twenty years later, and we, like I said, our kids graduated. Our kids have gone on. Um, our kids, in my opinion, did and exceeded what we were hoping to to do for them. We are here. We have, over the years, overcome so much. I don't think she has failed. I wouldn't use the word failed. Um, I think that she could get with another man and 20 years from now, she's going to have the same issues. I think 20 years with two people together creates no matter what, there's going to be imperfections and issues. Sure. sure. Um, and 
so so I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what words I would put in her mouth. Um, I would like to hear. You know, you've taken all this accountability and you've accepted this and you've you've corrected this and you've done this. I would like to know what can I do for you, because what it comes down to is. I just want this marriage to work. I want my wife and the quote unquote in love feeling. I don't have that. I, you know, maybe I'm not in love with her, but I love this woman and I want a life with this woman enough. So to where, like I mentioned earlier, those little things that I could keep tally of, I don't care about. Mm. They're, they're, they're small to me. It doesn't matter short of, an affair short of not being here emotionally with me there isn't anything else that can get in our way in my opinion well it, it's um, you're there's very much a theme to how you're defining the success and what you see going forward as being successful relationship together and that is one of comfort um you talked about i said where did she fail i, go, I don't think she's failed anywhere because why well our kids are happy and healthy and going off to college and starting families. Okay. That, that just, that checks one box, which is we were good parents and we raised two normal human beings. That doesn't necessarily say where you guys can do better as a couple. And then in terms you say, I'm, I may not necessarily be head over heels in love, but I love the woman and respect her. And I, and I want to live this life going forward with her, this life of comfort and stability that we've built together. And she's my rudder in life. She keeps me, she keeps me sane and keeps me on target and so forth. She helps me out. And I think if you were to say all of those things in a therapy session with her, I don't think it'll have the effect you think it will. I think it will drive her further away because she's, she's to the point where she wants to be swept off her feet. The maternal parent comfort stage of life it's there. It's always going to be there. That's a given. It's like the grass is green. The sky's blue. What else you got? It's basically what she's going to say. What else you got for me? I, I need more out of life. I, I need to go to Paris. I, I need to go rock climbing. I need to feel those in love feelings again. Life is too short. I, I'm turning the corner. I'm 40 freaking years old. I'm talking as your wife. I'm 40 years old. The kids are out of the house. And now what? And if you're telling me, yeah, we're just going to grow old and sit on the porch and watch the grandkids. F that. What else? Come on. Give me, give me something else. And if it sounds like I'm somewhat emotional about this, because that's kind of where I'm at in life now, too, as my kids get older, as I'm getting closer to 50. It's like this time's running out. I need more to do here. And as I, as life this is me talking, not your wife. As my life takes me to more of a domesticity type of thing, that comfort, the thing that a lot of people are very much drawn to, I get very much turned off by that in a lot of ways because I've kind of lived the life of the single divorced guy now and doing my own thing and writing my own ticket and doing things that want the way I want to do it. Even in my second marriage, I live a very independent life and I love it. And I sure as hell, I'm not going to give that up. Um, I've seen the light. So I think she has too. And you got to decide if your temperament is one that can go along for the ride with her. And um, I think that's what she's looking for. And the more you keep harping on, uh, yeah, but we've done all these comfortable family domesticity 
maternal things together, she's just going to, no, yeah, that, that chapter's over. So just something to think about, some food for thought there. Fair enough. I, I will process that. Yeah. And I think uh, your therapist will very much say the same thing. Your therapist has probably sat down with a lot of quote unquote midlife crisis, men and women both. You know, how many guys do we know that all of a sudden got the tattoo, grew out the ponytail and got the red Corvette and dumped his old wife for the 20 something secretary. I mean, we've all heard that story. I know one guy in particular did that exact thing. It's not unheard of. It's just it, it, the person left behind. is kind of like, you know, you could have clued me in. Maybe I would have go along with the journey with you. And their point is probably, I tried to clue you in for 10 years. <laughs> and, and this is where it got us. I'm moving on. So you got some work ahead of you. I'm not afraid of work. I can do that. Good, good. You, you, it's that delicate balancing game of you don't want to play what they call the pick me dance, where it's like, hey, I'm, I'm, a, I'm the pretty thing now. Don't you want me now? Look how I'm different. Yay, look at me. Pick me. You're not going to move to that apartment anymore, are you? Because look how independent and awesome I am. You don't want to err too much on that side. You want to err more on the side of, no, I truly am independent and getting along fine and interesting and kind of moving ahead in life without you. Then and only then will she go, oh, maybe this is the guy to go on to chapter two with. Maybe, maybe he is worth it. And uh, like I said before, you may surprise yourself where you go, yeah, I'm not sure I want it anymore. <laughs> it's funny how these relationships work when you get to these kind of turning points. So we've gone over the hour. Any final thoughts before we wrap it up? Uh, no, I, I, do, I would like to say I appreciate your efforts and time that you put in and, uh, you know, just in general for, for, for the men out there. Um, I, the books I've read were insightful and helpful. Um, and I appreciate, you know, the time you took today to talk. Yeah, thank you so much for, uh, for sharing the story with me, for the listeners, readers, for opening it up. You know, I appreciate it. It's not an easy thing for a lot of guys to do. Um, the, so the big question then is next steps. You know, I'm, I'm a next steps guy. I'm a pen and paper, check the box, check the list as I go guy. What are your next steps? What's next on the list for you? You know, uh, I, I've got a lot of uh, hope and faith behind these couples counselings. I've got a workout regimen. I've got um, this sense of, and it's been going on a couple months, but just doing today for me, mm -hmm. um, you know, kind of like you said, that pygmy dance, I'm not really interested in trying to show off who and what I am for her. I think that uh, the, the more I do this for me, the more she'll notice. But I think the more I try to show her, she'll look away. Yeah. And the more I just go do, she'll, she'll keep watch. There you go. That's a um, much more succinct way of putting what I blabbed on for five minutes. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> but, but so that's, that's my, that's what, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to, uh, I'm hoping for the best and living for today and trying to plan for the worst and get ready go. for the, for that. So, um, that's all you can do. So that's, that's what I'm doing. Um, and as far as checking the boxes, get my workout in, uh, be here when she needs me or, or wants me and try and build up a, a, a 
sense of not needing her. There you go. Uh, that's going to be tough. And I will leave you with this. You're 40 freaking years old. You're so young. You got, you are literally, you don't know it, but especially with this, this is your holy shit moment in life. We all have some one or two dozen holy shit moments. This is your big one right now. So this is your big turning point. You're still young. You got your whole life ahead of you. You can be whoever the hell you want to be. You just got to do it. And you just got to believe that. And there's going to be a lot of stumbling blocks between now and then that are going to get in your way. And, uh, but I think you'll do fine. I think you'll do fine. You got a good head on your shoulders. You're a good dude. And that's 90% of it right there. So good luck to you. Please keep in touch. Let me know how it goes. Will do. Thank you. Thank you so much. You have a good one. Right. You Thanks. too. Bye. If you're listening to this, you're probably a guy who is interested in self-improvement. You probably consume a lot of information, like these podcasts, YouTube videos, audiobooks, courses, everything you can to learn more and help you become the best man that you can be. And if you're like a lot of men, there's something still missing. Well, I can tell you what that missing thing probably is. Quality time with other men that are on the same mission as you. Some of you probably have casual relationships with your fellow soccer dads or the occasional beer with guys from the neighborhood, but none of them seem to be on the same page as you. Am I right? They seem content with their shitty marriages, their shitty jobs, and their expanding waistlines. They have all but given up. You find yourself talking to them about the same football teams, listening to their stories about their subpar home life, and you're getting to the point where you dread hanging around them. Well, the good news is that we have assembled a group of men just like you. We call our group the DSO Fraternity. We have live Zoom meetings that are hosted by yours truly, along with the other members of the DSO team. We have a very active private discussion forum, a Discord server for our lifetime members, a members-only podcast, access to my books in audiobook and PDF format at no extra charge, Discounts on one-on-one coaching with myself and other members of the team. Discounts on our video courses and access to our in-person gatherings. We have met in Nashville, Tennessee, Austin, Texas, Las Vegas, Australia, Amsterdam, and soon in New Orleans. So check it out, the DSO Fraternity at dsofraternity.com. We have monthly, annual, and lifetime membership options available. I think you will find our group is the missing piece of the puzzle that you have been looking for.